Thanks, guys. Y'all can be seated. <coughs> yeah, they do a good job, don't they? Go to John, please, the 14th chapter. John 14. I have an excitement in my spirit. We're in a time of uh, finishing up. I know I keep saying it, but it's because it's so strong in my heart. I, it, it's happening. We're finishing up, and we're moving on up. We're in a time of transition. We're on the, uh, at the threshold of some great uh, breakthroughs and coming up to different levels and broadening our, broadening our scope and our reach and, and our influence. Are you ready to do something for the Lord? Are you, hmm? The Lord's been a training folks and, and getting them ready. And he did, he's not doing that to, so you can sit on the shelf and collect dust. Now's the time to work, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we can enjoy some things down here in this life, but uh, really, this is not the time to rest. This is not the time. You can have a little rest. You can have a little play. This is the time to labor in the Lord's work and get the job done. Soon enough, we'll be out of here, and then we can rest. But until then, let's uh, work till he comes. In John, the 14th chapter, we've been looking at this uh, a series we're calling Seeing Jesus. Seeing Jesus. And we are on this, uh, our text is, is chapter 14 and verse 21. Jesus said this, He that has my commandments and keeps them. That sounds like doing, doesn't it? Not, not just he has them, but he, he keeps them. He it is that loves me. Who loves him? The one who has his commandments and, and keeps them, does them. And he that loves me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him. That's a lot of love. I will love him. And here's the part we just keep on shouting about around here. And what? And Jesus said, red letters. He said, and I will manifest myself to him. Now, if you love the Lord and he's real to you, there's nothing that you get much more excited about than this. The Bible said, taste and see. That the Lord is good. And if you've had any experience in the Lord, I know this, you want more. If you say, oh, I don't know, I don't care. Well, you, you hadn't tasted it. You don't know. If you have had any experience with Him, this is for sure. You're saying, more. I want more. More, please, more. More. And if you're like me, you may have prayed many times, Oh, God, I want to know you. I want to, I want to see you. I want to experience you. And, and that can be a, a, a misdirection. I know. I've prayed it many times in times past. But he didn't say, I'll reveal myself to the one that begs me the most. Did he? No. The ones that prays the loudest and, and hollers and begs the longest. No. Who's he going to reveal himself to? Help me out. Huh? The one that proves they love him by keeping what he said, by doing what he said. So we need to quit begging the Lord to show himself to us. We need to quit that. And we need to respect what he said. And realize, as surely as we do this, He will reveal Himself to us. Put that up in the Amplified, if you would. He said, I will love Him. I will show, reveal, manifest myself to Him. I will let myself be clearly seen by Him and make myself real to Him. I am believing for this personally and in the church and in the ministry 
now, in these days, and in the days, weeks, and months, years to come. Are, is anybody with me in this church? Hmm? I am believing that by His grace, we will be enabled and have a heart and a desire and grace to know His words and to keep His words and to do His words. And that He will, He will of a certainty reveal Himself and make Himself known and make Himself real to us in our personal lives, in the church, in our services, in our ministries, in our outreach, that the Master will become more real to us than ever before. We'll see Him and know Him and experience Him beyond anything we have seen or known heretofore. Is anybody believing with me for this? I am believing for this. I'm on it. And you know how we are when we get on something. We own it. We're on it until. We don't get on it till we know. But then when we know, and we know, he said it, red letters. So it's already begun, and we're pursuing it, and it's happening and will happen. We've been looking through this book of John looking at his words. And we need to realize we're not just looking at history here, but we are already seeing him. We've seen him walk up to that pool of Bethesda and speak and minister to that man. We've seen him uh, minister to the blind man. We've seen him speak to the religious leaders. We've seen him say and do things. How many know that he does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he was here where we could see him with our eyes and hear him with our ears, would he do something differently from what we see here and hear here? No, no. So we are seeing him right now, aren't we? We're seeing him right now. Go over to John 11 and let's see him some more today. John 11. John 11. Scripture says a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was that Mary that had anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent to him and said, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Now, they added that in there, didn't they? They didn't just say, Lazarus is sick. They said, you know, the one you love. These were personal friends of Jesus partners in his ministry, and personal friends. We know he went to their house. We know he ate meals with them. Now, we should thank God for his divine connections. We, we should love everybody in the body of Christ. But the bigger part of the body of Christ on the earth, you're never going to even meet. In this lifetime. But they're body of Christ. Right? They're your brother. They may speak a different language. They may have a different culture. But if they're born again, they're part of the family. We love them. Right? But you may never even meet them in this life. But there are parts of the body that you are directly joined to. And you have continuous fellowship with them. And you are actually graced to be in the same part of the body together. This did not happen by accident. But God has placed every part in the body as it has pleased Him. You know, my left heel and my right earlobe are in the body. 
but they have very little direct fellowship. Maybe your left heel gets around to your right ear lobe once in a while. Mine never does. But my, uh, my ear has direct contact with the side of my head all the time, right? And body parts that are connected with each other. They have continuous direct contact and fellowship and they are graced to be so. We should acknowledge the plan of God and the grace of God. It's, it's no accident that people know you and are around you for years and know all your goofiness and, and your <laughs> ignorance and weakness and all that stuff, and they still like you and still want to be around you and act like they enjoy being around you. And you're the same way with them. Friend, that's called grace. That's, that's grace. Because except for the grace of God... There's enough flesh around here till we'd get on each other's nerves and couldn't stand each other for three days straight, much less work together for years. Well, see, these were some people that Jesus was joined to directly in his life, and he enjoyed their fellowship with them. Lazarus was his buddy. God will give you buddies. Right? And you ought to treasure them and treat them right. And, you know, maybe the uh, religious leaders had chewed on him and tried to hurt him, and he's had a healing line of 790 people he's laid hands on uh, that day, and he comes in, and uh, Martha makes him some of her uh, fine cooking, and, and Lazarus makes him laugh. And he enjoys being with them. And, you know, one of the big things that you need to learn, I know Phyllis and I talked about this. Oh, this has been a number of years ago. We saw the Lord had allowed us access to Brother Hagen Sr. and Miss Aretha. And we were actually spending some time with them personally and doing some things with them. And uh, I told her, we talked about it. I said, well, now the Lord's allowing us some access here. We are not going to pull on them. They get that all the time with people coming and wanting to ask them a thousand questions and, and people that are around and they think it's their opportunity for personal ministry and this and that. I said, they, don't, they can't be around people like that in their off times. I said, me and you got to have it together. We can't come in here fussing and fighting. He'll know it. They'll know it. Are you listening? Besides that, even if they don't know the details, they can tell something's wrong and you just won't be in shape. How many understand if all, if, if you can barely stay in the room with each other, you're not in any shape to help minister to anybody? I said, we gotta keep it together. We gotta have our things right. We can't burden them with us needing stuff. Are y'all with me now? And we're not going to pull on them. It is not going to wear on them for us to be around. Are y'all listening to me or not? So few people seem to understand this. It's wearing just to be around them. All they want to talk about is their problems and, and what they need. And all they're concerned about is, can you help me? Will you help me? Can you help me? Well, that's being an immature person, isn't it? And as long as you're that way, you're not able for God to use you to be a strong support and a help. So I told her, I said, well, you know, we're not going to be like that. We talked about it. We purposed. We are going to be a strength. We're not going to be a burden. And the Lord helped us to, to do that and to be that. And I think these guys were that way. I don't think he'd have spent that much time with them in his off time, right? If they're always pulling on him and complainers and nagging and yeah, yeah, and all that kind of stuff. No, no, he enjoyed these guys. 
Enjoyed being around them. They were fun to be around. How many of Christians are supposed to be fun to be around? What a thought. What what an idea. Christians are supposed to be easy to be around and fun to be around. Why? Because they're always supposed to be full of love. They're always supposed to be full of faith. They're always supposed to be up. Always supposed to be up and have joy. It's so sad that so many Christians are so depressed and so defeated. And they're just no fun to be around at all. Make up your mind. I'm going to be easy to be around. I'm going to be fun to be around. I want the Holy Spirit, when He thinks about Faith Life Church, I want Him to smile. I want Him to go, I like them. I like, they're fun. Uh, they're easy to work with. I like them. So anyway, they sent word though. He was sick. And of course, we know he was really sick. He died not long after this. And they sent word to him, Lord, the one you love is sick. Come. Come. And so he didn't come. He stayed for days. Now we know when he finally did come, Lazarus had been dead for four days. So it appears he is late. Doesn't it? Really late. And you know what Martha said to him, the first thing she said? Lord, if you'd have been here. In other words, why didn't you come? And Mary, what did she say the first thing she when she saw him? Same thing. Lord, why didn't you come? If you'd have been here, my brother would still be alive. Now, this is, that's pretty hard, isn't it? Now, when he finally did go and he told his disciples, he said, well, let's go. They said, Lord, you know, they tried to kill you. Last time we were over there, you're going to go again. So even though they're not saying anything, obviously they think he didn't go because of the danger. Are y'all with me? So here, his friends are thinking he just didn't care enough to come. His staff is thinking he's too scared to go. And if you're going to be led by the Spirit, you have to be willing to put up with this. It's not easy. Are y'all with me or not? Now, Jesus had a soul and has a soul just like you. When his dear friends pled with him and called him and said, Please, Jesus, come quick. Come quick. Lazarus is really sick. Come. What did his soul want to do? I assure you. He wanted to grab his bag and head out the door. But he was led by the Spirit. He followed the direction of the Father every day and every night of His life, no matter what. And we must get a revelation of this level of being led. And we must consecrate to it and seek it. Good people that love the Lord are missing it. I mean right and left all over the place because things will come up and they just run. They just jump. They just go. They just do. They won't even check with the Lord. They don't even ask Him. They don't even look. Why? Well, that's my baby. I've got to go. Well, that's so-and-so. They, you know, they called me. i got to go. Well, that's this. And people expect you to go. They expect you to come. They expected Him to come. But He didn't. I said He didn't. If you want to have a life of miracles, if you want to have things other people don't have, You've got to learn this. No matter how your soul pulls on you, their feelings, no matter what kind of an emergency it is, no matter how it's pressing, you've got to make up your mind, I'm not moving till I know what to do. 
It's not always easy. But you got to, you know, everybody's hollering, let's go, let's go. You say, hush, hush. They're calling you every hour. Are you, are you, are you coming yet? Are you leaving? No. Are you coming? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? Quit calling me. I'll let you know. Well, I'm your brother. I'm your sister. What do you mean you're not going to come? Don't call me. Well, don't you care? Can you hear that in Martha's voice? And Mary's voice? Lord, if you'd have come when we called you. And his staff's not saying anything, but they're thinking, well, we know how he ain't going. And everybody over there's trying to kill him. I mean, I'm, we don't want to go either. So if they think he's not going because of self-preservation, that ain't true. He wasn't scared of anything. And others think he didn't come because he didn't care or what he had something better to do than come help his friends. Are you hearing what we're talking about? All these things you'll have to deal with and some of them will be very unpleasant. And people will think less of you and they will think ill of you many times when you follow the leading of the Lord. But if you want to have a miraculous life, if you want to have miracles happen in your life, you have to live like this. And no matter how much pressure is coming down, no matter how much people are crying and begging and pleading and how it's pulling on your soul, and your own soul is pulling on you, you got to back your ears and sit down and say, uh-uh, nope, I don't care. Lord, you show me what to do. What do I do? I know what they think. I know what everybody thinks I ought to do. I know what I want to do. But I'm not taking anything for granted. Show me what to do. Tell me what to do. I can't do a thing without you. You can run over there and you can holler and rebuke and bind and, and do everything else and nothing happened. Did you hear me now? You've got to follow him. You must hear from him. Jesus did this. He did it every, every day. So he just stayed right there. Didn't budge, didn't move. Finally, he said, well, boys, let's go. They thought, huh? <laughs> he said, Lazarus is asleep. They said, well, that's good. I mean, if he's taking a nap, if he's able to rest, he'll, he's sure to get better, one translation said. And then the Bible said, Jesus said plainly, he's dead. How many know it's not a lack of faith to speak plainly? Apparently. <laughs> See, a lot of people are confused. They don't understand faith well enough. They say, well, I'm not going to confess he's dead. Well, he is. <laughs> and it didn't hurt Jesus' faith to say he was. He said, he's dead. They said, oh. He said, but I'm going to go and wake him up. <laughs> they said, well, now, Lord, last time we were over there, they, we thought we, we just got away, barely. I mean... They want to kill you, and maybe us too. And he said, well, you got to walk while you have the light. Come on, let's go. Thomas said, well, come on, let's go die with him. <laughs> Not good faith, but good commitment. <coughs> right? Keep on reading. So he came, and verse 20, soon as he got there, Martha said, uh, she got up. And when she heard Jesus was come, she took off. But Mary sat still in the house. We're given insight into these two women's disposition and nature, aren't we? More than once. You know, Martha was the one who couldn't sit down, and she's cooking, 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 and got mad because her sister was sitting in there hearing the word. You remember that? And came in there and told Jesus, interrupted Jesus. And said, Jesus, would you tell that heifer to come in here and help me? <laughs> she knows I got all this stuff to do, and she's sitting in there taking notes. <laughs> now, you don't say anything like that unless you are sure Jesus is going to back you up. <laughs> but he didn't, did he? He said, Martha, Martha. And when the Lord calls your name twice like that, just go ahead and start repenting. Just, just kneel down. If he says, Keith, Keith. Just go ahead and put your nose in the carpet. Oh, God. <clears throat> Martha, Martha. Martha moved immediately. Mary waited till she was called. Hmm. 
And you see this over and over, this kind of thing. And Jesus, uh, he, he actually confirmed the way Mary operated, didn't he? And corrected Martha. It's good to be a hard worker. It's not good to be so busy that you ignore the leading of the Lord. And you just go do something whether you have a leading or not. And she said, Lord, if you'd have been here, verse 21, my brother wouldn't have died. Verse 22, I like this though. But I know that even now, whatever you will ask of God, God would give it to you. Amen. Why would she say that? Man, this is faith, brother. Isn't it? This is tremendous. Jesus, uh, he looked at her. He said, your brother is going to rise again. Whew, wonder what those words did to her. She said, uh, 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 well, I know he's going to rise in the resurrection at the last day. I mean, I know that. She, she's probably wondering, what's he talking about? What's, what's? And he looked at her. He said, I am the resurrection. You're looking at the resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life. Somebody say, glory to God. Glory to God. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Now he looks at her. Can you see the piercing eyes of Jesus? He looks at her after he says that. He says, do you believe that? Do you believe this? <laughs> What'd she say? She said, yes. Yes, I do, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God that should come into the world. You're Him. I do. You say it, I believe it. You see why Jesus likes these people? It wasn't just her cooking, was it? And when she had so said, she went and called Mary. She said, the master's coming. He's calling for you. Now, as soon as she heard that, she waited till the Lord called. But when she heard him call, she got up quick and moved. And when he was coming to the place, the Jews that saw them jump up and run, they followed her, figuring she's going to the grave to weep and cry. And when they got to where Jesus was, Mary fell down at her feet, said the same thing. Lord, verse 32, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Jesus looked at her. She's crying. And the Jews are crying. Everybody around there is crying. And he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where would you put him? Where have you laid him? And they said, Lord, come over here and we'll show you. And Jesus started crying too. Mary's crying. The people that are with him, the family's crying. Now, do you reckon Jesus doesn't know that he's about to raise this man? No, I think that's why he's there. I think he's already seen this. Right? That's why he's there. So why is he crying? If he's about to come out, why is he crying? Listen to these verses. I don't claim to understand all of that and know all of this, but I can see this. Listen to these verses. The scripture said in Romans 8, <coughs> says, uh, we know that the whole creation, verse 22, is groaning and travailing in pain together till now. And uh, it said, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of the body. Waiting for what? The redemption of the body. Yes, Lazarus was raised from the dead, but you know, he died again. And everybody there died. And there were a lot of funerals, and there was a lot of crying. And 2 Corinthians describes it this way. 2 Corinthians 5, 1. says, We know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan. 
earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so, that being clothed will not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, he says it again, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. When Jesus is there, these are his friends. Mary and Martha are crying, their hearts broken. Their brother's bodies laying cold and stiff and dead there a few feet away. And all these people are crying. How many understand this does not please the Lord? Death is not our friend. Death is called our enemy. Did you know that? Death is our enemy. The first Corinthians 15 says death is the last enemy that shall be put underfoot. I'm telling you there's a day coming soon and not very long off that there will be no more death. No more. No more. And all of the pain and all of the grief. I believe Jesus was in tune and touched at that moment with the pain of grief of everybody. And what was happening and what would happen. And he knew that a miracle was about to happen here. But he also knew that generation after generation after generation after generation. People would get old and they'd be sick. And they'd die and they'd leave. And people would hurt and they'd grieve and they'd cry. And he just cried right along with us. Didn't he? But I believe in hope. I said I believe in hope. I believe in faith because he also is the resurrection. Death is not the end. He's the resurrection and the life. Somebody say glory to God. So he's crying. He's groaning in his spirit. You know, also this is part of the operation of the spirit of God with us. The Bible said the spirit helps us, doesn't he? Part of the way he helps us is with groanings, which cannot be uttered. Things, something was working in him, wasn't it? And of course, you got people, you got unbelief there, I'm sure. And, you know, some of the, the passage says that some of the people, some of the Jews that were there said, you know, why couldn't this man that could get that guy's eyes open, why couldn't he keep his friend from dying? These are some of the same guys that want to stone him for healing somebody. Now they want to find fault with him because he didn't heal somebody. Boy, if you go by public opinion, you are foolish and you're going to find no rest. And so they showed him where he was buried. Jesus stood out there. He said, uh, take, that st- take that stone away. In fact, it says, take ye. That means you. You take that stone away. Now, they weren't just real quick to do that. Martha speaks up and says, Lord... He's been dead four days. I mean, he stinks. He smells bad by now. I want to ask you a question. What if he couldn't have gotten them to do this? What if he couldn't have convinced them to do that? Why didn't he just go over there and move it out of the way? Why didn't he just send a couple of his disciples and say, get, get that rock out of the way? Why didn't he do it? Why did he look at them? The women. Why not get the big strong men? No, the women. You go get that rock out of the way. Why? It's their brother. It's their family. He, they need to give him a right to do this. Are you listening now? They need to give him access into their... If they'd have stood there and said, No, no, no. Now, I don't know what you're trying to do, but I'm not going to desecrate my brother's grave, and I'm not doing this, and I'm not going to let you do that. No miracle would have happened. Mm-mm. He told him, he said, you take, that, you take that away. She said, Lord, she's hesitant. Now, she just got through making a wonderful confession. I believe, I believe. You're the son of God. Now it's time for her to prove it. Time for her to act like she believes what she said she believed. She said, Lord, by this time he sticks. He looked at her. He said, didn't I tell you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? That's all it took for her. She said, uh-huh. She took off. She said, Mary, come help me get this rock out of the way. Is that right? 
They took over, and if they needed some help, I'm sure some people joined them and helped them out. See, earlier in the passage, Jesus said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified therein. And some people will try to take that and say, Well, see, sometimes sickness is for the glory of God. Uh-uh. No way. No how. No. No. Other translations say, This sickness shall not end in death, but it'll end or result in the glory of God. It's the same with sin. Can sin glorify God? Absolutely not. But can sin be an occasion for God to be glorified? Certainly, you've heard people that were in a terrible life of sin and God saved them and delivered them. Well, did He get glory out of that? He didn't get glory out of their sin, but He got glory when they were delivered from the sin. Well, God didn't get glory in Lazarus being sick and in him dying when he said, didn't I tell you? They're standing up there by the tomb. He said, didn't I tell you that if you'd believe, you'd see the glory of God? Let's stop. Have they seen the glory of God yet? Have they, did they see the glory of God in Lazarus being sick and in him suffering and in him dying and them all grieving and crying? No, they hadn't seen the glory of God in any of this, but they're about to see the glory of God. God's not glorified in disease. He's not glorified in sin. He's not glorified in poverty. He's not glorified in failure. He's not glorified in sin. Somebody help me out. God, the devil, is glorified in the devil's works. Killing, stealing, destroying. God is glorified in the works of God. Saving, healing, delivering, providing, victory, life, resurrection. Glory to God. He said, didn't I tell you if you'd believe, you'd see the glory of God. They're about to see the glory of God if they'll just believe. Man, she ran over there, her and Mary and whoever else, they got that rock out of the way. Now everybody's, how many understand, understand this is going to get everybody's attention. When you open the grave, they're all looking at that grave and they're looking at Jesus. They're looking at the grave, they're looking at Jesus. They're thinking, what is he doing? What? And Jesus starts praying. He looks up. He says, Father, I want to thank you for hearing me. Now, when he starts doing this, what do you think they did? They're like, huh? And see, this is exactly what he wants them to do. Quit looking at him because he's operating as a man. He said, I want to thank you that you've heard me. And I know you always hear me. Go to the next verse on that, verse 43. I know you always hear me. But because of the people that stand by, I said it, so that they may believe that you have sent me. Now, I want to stop right here. Uh, Go to John 5 first. Could Jesus have come and healed his friend two days earlier or four days earlier? Huh? Could he have come and healed him any time he wanted to? No. No, he could not. And this is something that, I mean, now, now part of y'all answered it. Uh, a lot more of you answered it right this time than <laughs> first time you heard it. But how many of you want to know what I'm talking about? The vast majority of church-going people would say, yes, he could. Wouldn't they? But he said, and we're going to have to take his word for it. He said he couldn't. In John 5, are you there? John 5 and uh, 19. Jesus said, verily, verily, I say to you, The Son can do nothing of Himself but what He sees the Father do. For what things soever He doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all things that Himself doeth, and He will show Him greater works than these, that you may marvel. Now, He just, God just used Him to minister healing to the man at the pool of Bethesda. 
Not long after this, we see the man born blind got healed. That's a greater work. Here we see a man raised from the dead. That's a greater work. Can you see? They're progressing. Now, in Jesus' own words, we know why and how they have happened. Lazarus being raised from the dead. Tell me how it happened. How it happened. Jesus said way back here, he said, he's going to show me greater things than these. So did he show him? Yeah. He saw this. He saw him go over there. Now, he couldn't do it till the Lord, till the Father released him to do it. He wanted to go the first day they called him, I assure you. But he couldn't do it. He hadn't seen it yet. He hadn't seen it that way. He hadn't heard it. Are y'all with me now? But then there was, how many know there, obviously there was a point where he got released. And he saw himself going and he knew he could do it now. And it's when he tells them, come on, let's go. Let's go. Is this the way we're supposed to operate? If he had to wait on the Father and do it this way, can we do it a different way? Absolutely no. The servant's not above his master. So why is he standing out there praying like this? He heard himself pray this way. He saw himself do it just like this. Skip down to verse 30, that same fifth chapter. He said it again. I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge. My judgment is just because I, I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. Are we believing for greater works? We say it all the time. Greater works than these. Greater things than these. Shall we see? Are we believing for it? Do we believe the Lord's going to manifest Himself and show us? See, this is, it all goes together. He's going to show us things. It's not just our ministers, it's all of us. He's going to show you things on a Thursday evening on your bed. Are you listening? You'll see yourself going somewhere and saying something and doing something and confidence and boldness will rise up in your heart and you know it's right and you know it's Him. And if you'll have enough faith to go do it and walk it out and say it, you'll have a miracle. God will show me things. He'll show Phyllis things. He'll show us things in the services. We'll see ourselves calling people out. We'll see ourselves saying things and doing things. And we'll do them. And miracles will happen. We've already seen some of this. But we're coming into an increasing measure of seeing and hearing And it's not us. I can't do something when I want to. You can't do something because you decide to. If Jesus said, I can't of my own self do nothing, how much truer is it about us? I can't do anything. You can't do anything. But when he shows us something, when he says something to us, we can do it. And we can say it. And if we'll do it and say it, he'll show up. He'll show up. He'll show up. And he'll do it. He saw himself go over there. He he heard himself say to Martha, Do you believe this? I am the resurrection. He saw himself stand out in front of that tomb. He heard himself say to them, You take that tomb away. You. He heard it. Heard himself say, Didn't I tell you, if you'd believe, you'd see the glory of God? Saw himself standing out there praying. He said, Father, I'm, I, I know you already heard me, but I'm saying this because of these people standing around that they may know that you sent me. He didn't just decide to come over there that day. You sent me over here. I'm doing what you showed me to do. And then while all their minds are up and focused on him, he looks down at that tomb and he says, Lazarus, come out of there. He heard himself say that. He saw himself do that. And oh, glory to God, when he said it, the power of God come up inside that old tomb. And there was movement in there. Some of the crowd said, did you see something move in there? I saw something move. I saw something white move in there. Did you see something move? Lazarus, come out of there. And then he heard, mm, 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 mm. what did he say? He said, he's coming, Jesus. He's coming. 
Unwrap him. Get that stuff off of him. Get that junk off of him. He got it off of him. And I'm telling you, the next chapter, we see Jesus sitting down with Lazarus at the table. Eating Martha's chicken and dumplings. (laughs) Glory to God. How do you have miracles? You got to wait on the Lord. You can't move because somebody called. You can't jump because somebody said run. You can't move and do stuff because your emotions are hollering or their emotions are because it's an emergency. You got to wait on Him. Look to Him. Ask Him, Lord, show me what to do. You got to believe He's going to show you. He's going to show you what to do. He's going to tell you what to say. And if you have to wait till it seems like it's too late, you just wait till you know. And it looked like it was too late and everybody thought it was too late, but it wasn't too late. It takes faith to wait when everybody's urging you to go. Oh, but don't you know Jesus was glad when the Father showed him this? He saw it and he heard it and he made his way on over there and he waited through the grief and he waited through the unbelief. And he said and did it. Now notice what, what the result of this was. Do you have just another minute or two? Eleventh chapter again. The Bible said, verse 45, Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. Well, I reckon it's about time. Hmm? You standing there, you just saw a man raised from the dead. And it's holy and it's pure and it's right. How I many it is time to believe? It's time to believe. And so many of them did. But some of them, verse 46, but some of them went their way to the Pharisees and told them they went and tattled. They went over there, ooh, you know what he did? You know what he did? Oh, man, he, he, you know, hocus pocus, whatever. And, man, that guy come out of the tomb. We don't know how all that happened, but, oh, everybody's going crazy about this Jesus. Y'all got to do something. Don't you think about this. If Jesus was here, 2009, he's in Missouri or he's in some other part of the country or the world, and he said what he said here and he did what he did here, and people were healed or people were raised from the dead. Is it true that some people today would hear that and see that and still not believe? It's true. Seeing miracles doesn't give you faith. You can see the most amazing miracles there are, and it won't give you faith. It won't make you believe. It's still a choice. Faith comes by hearing. You just decide whether you believe it or not. And so when they went and told that, the Pharisees did what people uh, running their own life and stuff do. They, they make them a council, have a council meeting. And they said, what, what are we going to do? This man does many miracles. If we let him alone, all men will believe on him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. Did these guys see anything? Did they not know? <laughs> I mean, when's the last time they heard of somebody being raised from the dead? They've called these people in before their council. That man that was born blind, they saw him and talked to him. His own parents stood up and testified. He was in their synagogue. Here's a man everybody knows is dead, dead, dead. Four days, cold, stiff, dead. He's over there eating chicken and dumplings. Everybody knows it. What what are they doing? Other scriptures said many of the leaders believed on him, but they wouldn't confess him for fear of the Jews. And here the leaders themselves wouldn't do it for fear of losing their place. They would rather have their place, their position, 
than to have the power of God. Than to have the reality of God. Than to see bound and oppressed people get set free. This is terrible, isn't it? And we got to make up our mind, we're not going to be that way. He says, what about my place? Well, maybe your place needs to change. What about this or that? We better want what he wants. And what John the Baptist said is a great revelation. They came to him and they said, oh, do you know that more people is going to Jesus than is going to you? And more people are being baptized over there in his group than you? And you're the one introduced his ministry. You're the one helped him get started. John smiled and said, it's right. It's right. He's supposed to increase. I'm supposed to decrease. That's a sign of greatness, isn't it? Humility and greatness. There are times when it's just right for our situation to change. And how many know if people are being delivered and people are being healed and it means me being changed and seemingly take a back seat, well, hey, help me to the back. Right? Help me to the back. Let me get out the way. And how many know if your heart's right and God, you'll let God will change you, you're going to wind up so far better than you would have ever been? Yes. But if you're scarce, see, they were scared, they were full of fear, and they were full of envy. And they were afraid he's going to be more important than us. And, and you know, the, the high priest, he was the big wig, and he had all the stuff everybody's supposed to look up to him, and, and Jesus is really outshining him. And, and he should have admitted, I, ne- I need what this man has. I need to go and be in his services, get him to pray for me. But no, he wouldn't do that. He wanted his place. His place. And did you know they did lose their place? And they did lose their nation. Romans came and destroyed them. Their fears came on them. And it had nothing to do with them letting Jesus preach and do miracles. One of the worst things they could have ever done. It stood out there when the, the Roman leaders were ready to let him go. And they said, no, no, his blood be on us. Oh, what a thing to say. And it was. But you know, whether you've seen a person raised from the dead or not, you can believe. Can't you? It's a choice. Stand up on your feet, everybody. If you haven't made that choice already, make it today. And make it without reservation. Everybody said out loud, I choose to believe in Him. I believe in Jesus. I believe in the Lord. I believe in His power. I believe in His love. I believe in His goodness. Nothing's too hard for the Lord. I believe. Hallelujah. Lift up your hands. Begin to praise Him. Begin to worship Him. Begin to give Him thanks. Tell Him, I believe, Lord, I believe you. I believe you. I believe you. You are the resurrection. You are the life. You are everything. Hallelujah. Go ahead and sing, brother.